Dear Heavenly Father, you are the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, including London. Thank you that Jesus Christ has overcome all the power of sin, death, and hell in the cross and the resurrection. We claim City Temple as a place of spiritual safety and ask for your protection from all the attacks of the enemy. As a child of God seated with Christ in the heavenly places, we command every evil spirit claiming ground in this place or the surrounding area based on the activities of people past or present to leave and never return. We renounce all demonic assignments directed against this place, against any of us, and against the surrounding area. We renounce any allegiance given to false gods or evil spirits in this place or the surrounding area. We renounce all witchcraft that has been directed against this place or the surrounding area. We renounce all sacrifices or curses by anyone who would claim ownership in this place or the surrounding area. We renounce any claim to City Temple and the surrounding area by Satan based on sinful activities, covenants, agreements, and false worship. We ask you, Almighty God, to post your warrior angels around this place and the surrounding area and each person uh, in City Temple, each family in City Temple, uh, to guard us from all attempts of the enemy to enter or disturb the advance of your kingdom and the fulfillment of your purposes for City Temple and her godly associates. Let the glory of your son Jesus Christ shine throughout this area so that your kingdom comes and demons flee. We pray that the glory of Jesus would manifest in this area and chase away all the darkness and draw people to your son Jesus Christ. We pray for all the business leaders in this area that they would lead their businesses in godly ways, that they would renounce sinful and unjust ways of doing business and that they would prosper as they do these things. We pray that everyone who works or lives in this area or who is connected to any property in this area would become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, break through their resistance, break through false worship, and let them see Jesus as he really is. We pray for all the Christians who work or live in this area, that they would prosper, that they would remain faithful followers of Jesus Christ, and they would exercise a Christian influence on their businesses and their co-workers. And we pray that any demonic principality or power in this area would be uprooted and removed. We pray especially against any Hindu gods or Hindu demonic principalities that they would crumble and fall at the name of Jesus. And we pray that any false god or idol worshiped in this area would be exposed as completely false, collapse in weakness, and fall in humiliation before the one true living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we commit these things to you, Lord God. We pray for the people in our congregation. We pray for those that are on holiday right now, that they would have blessed holidays free from any kind of oppression or disturbance. We pray for anybody in our church family, Lord God, who needs a healing touch right now, that they would experience your healing in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord God, for 
everybody in our church family that we would grow closer together and closer to your son, Jesus Christ. And by church family, Lord God, we mean everybody even remotely connected to the church. Not only brothers and sisters, but distant cousins, twice, three times removed, whatever it is, Lord, whatever, however distant, everybody connected with City Temple. We ask your blessing to be upon them. And Father God, as we come to you, we pray not only for ourselves, but we do pray for our world, Lord. We pray for those who have been recently devastated by fire. <clears throat> help them, Father God, as they mourn their losses and rebuild their lives and help these fires come under control. We pray, Lord God, for those who have lost loved ones during to the, due to the heat. And we pray, Father God, for your mercy to be upon them. We pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ all around the world, many of whom are in jail, others who have lost their livelihoods, and we ask your blessing to be upon them. And we pray for our brothers and sisters on the Isle of Lewis, Lord, who are looking forward to your revival, and we pray along with them that you would pour out your spirit in power because we need you and we need your Holy Spirit very, very much. So come, Lord God, come, pour out your spirit. Come and bring glory and honor to Jesus. You are a good God. And we love you. We praise you and we surrender our lives to you. In the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to do this declaration. In the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we reject and disown all demonic influences and attacks against us in resistance to Christ's rulership. We declare that Jesus Christ is the only Lord and Savior, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. We believe that He came to destroy the works of the devil and that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, having triumphed over them by the cross. We call forth the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ this day in City Temple and the surrounding area. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or imagine by the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, let's turn to three places. First of all, to Psalm 82, then Isaiah chapter 1, and finally Luke chapter 18. And before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people this day through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. 
Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are God, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. And then to Isaiah chapter 1. I'll start reading with verse 16 down to the end. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How the, un- how the faithful city has become a whore, she who is full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. Therefore the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all your alloy. Uh, I will rest, restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together And those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed, for they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desired, and you shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers, and like a garden without water. And the strong shall become tinder, and his word a spark, and both of them shall burn together with none to quench them. And then finally to Luke chapter 18. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth?
May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Now, I've gone through a number of difficult times in my life, as I know most everybody has. And I remember one season of difficulty I was going through. I'd actually even thought about going to court to try to rectify a situation. And uh, the Lord blessed me by connecting me with uh, uh, a Christian lawyer. And, uh, and so I went to the lawyer and I was talking about this. And, and, uh, and, and I'll never forget the lawyer. He, he comes to me and he says, you know, or we're talking, he says, you have a case. You can make a case here. But I would advise against it. It's not the way to resolve the situation. And he was absolutely right. He was absolutely right. I was so desiring some kind of justice. I felt like I had been so wronged and, and there was a part of me that just wanted to get back. There was a part of me that just wanted to get revenge. There was a part of me that wanted to go and make other people pay. And, and, and even though I had a, a platform and the ability, a legal standing in which to go after this, I was so grateful for this Christian lawyer who said, don't do this, don't go down this pathway. And he was absolutely right. Uh, and you know the best part about this? He didn't charge me anything for his advice. What a deal, what a deal. But the Lord did work out the situation. The Lord did work out the situation. So I understand you know, the cry that we have when we are wronged and we want justice, and we want something to happen, we want there to, to be a different kind of outcome, and it seems like justice delays for a very long time, almost to the point where we start getting desperate, and we start feeling like we are the ones that are to go and get revenge. But actually, the Bible says that vengeance belongs to the Lord. But it's not only us, actually. When I look around London, and I love London, and I've told people for years that I've loved London, even when people want to criticize London and say it's a terrible place. You know, I, I, I've told you the story before about a prophetic friend of mine uh, who used to come into the city all the time, and he'd say, London, it's a cesspool. It's a cesspool. And he's seeing all this stuff in the spirit. And, and so finally one day I said, hey, London might be a cesspool, but it's my cesspool. Oh, but when we look around us, we see all of this injustice. It is almost impossible to look and not see the levels of injustice in our world. I mean, right now, one of the biggest areas of injustice in London is housing. Where people who, live, who have lived and worked sometimes for generations in the city no longer can afford to live anywhere in the city of London because of the housing price. This is a justice issue. There are issues about how the elderly are being treated. There are issues about how the young are being treated. There are so much injustice that I really think, when you, when you think about it, sometimes it feels to me like God's verdict here in Isaiah is really a verdict that he would say on, on London. You know, how the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice. You know, London used to be a place of great justice, actually. 
Many people don't realize that, but especially in the 1800s, it's amazing. So many things in the world, like the, 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 that young people should be educated, poor young people should be educated. Do you know that? That came out of here. They came out of London. I mean, many, many things like that. It's not just that. Many things came out of that. Righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. We're finding that with the whole Brexit situation. Your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels. That's leaders. Can you think of any leaders in our government that might be rebels? I won't mention anybody. Uh, Companions of thieves. How much are we seeing that? Everyone loves a bribe and they go after the gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless and the widow's cause does not come to them. I mean, you look at this and you can see there's so many echoes of this into London. There's so many echoes into this. But the problem has become as well that in looking at justice and in talking about justice, the world around us has really distorted the whole biblical concept of justice. Much of what you hear today talking about justice has nothing to do with the biblical concept of justice. Today, so many people think of justice in terms of what is fair. Do you know we don't want what is fair? I don't want what is fair because you know what is fair? I'd spend eternity in hell. That's fair. I don't want what's fair. I want what's right under the Lord. Are, are we, we come up with these different kinds of standards of correct treatment. And now we're kind of imposing those standards back. Uh, or we, we think of justice as the equitable distribution of resources. But you know, the Bible has never really been about the equitable distribution of resources. It's not been that everybody has the same, <clears throat> but the idea has always been that everybody has sufficiency. There was always the understanding that some people would make a little bit more, some people would make a little bit less based on the way they worked, based on their jobs and things like that. But now that said, we're looking at such a massive disparity between the haves and the have-nots that it's easy for people to look at that and say, well, it's all about equality. It's all about equitable distribution of resources. But these ideas are not behind the biblical concept of justice. And so in order to deal with these issues, both in our own life and in order to begin to navigate how we deal with this in terms of the world, we really need to see what the Bible says. Because much of what happens in the world today is about sin. It's about, well, I haven't worked, but they have, but they have more than I do, so I want that. That's greed. That's what that's about. Or for some people it's, well, I want my lifestyle to be validated. And so if my lifestyle is not validated, even though the Bible says it's sinful, then I want, then this is justice and I need justice. That's not the Bible's view. It's not about validating our sinfulness. It's about something far more significant, something that as Christians we must pursue. And yes, sometimes as Christians, we must pursue these things with people who are not Christians. But the only way we can do that is to understand what the Bible says about it. And so to do that, we want to look briefly at what the Bible says about defining justice. 
how to uh, seeking justice, and then praying justice. Defining justice, seeking justice, and praying justice. So what is justice? In the kingdom of God, justice simply, you could say, is putting wrong things right. If something is wrong, you put it right, and that's justice. But it's putting wrong things right in accordance with God's perspective, the Bible. You know, so if you say, well, putting wrong things right means endorsing a sin, that's not biblical justice. So it's putting wrong things right according to God's perspective in the context of community. Justice only occurs in the context of community. Putting wrong things right according to God's perspective in the context of community so that all persons may live in and contribute to the well-being of that community. So all persons can both live in and contribute to the well-being of that community. There's no biblical concept of somebody who receives justice in terms of a, a handout that they don't have to do anything with, or that they don't do anything about. There's always a contribution that occurs from the persons who receive justice to the well-being of the community. And biblically, the concept of justice and righteousness are closely connected. Righteousness is about being in right relationship in community, first with God and then with other people. Justice is about bringing, that, bringing everybody into that by putting the wrong things right so that everybody can participate in that, righteous, in that righteousness. So when you look at the Bible, where does God focus when he talks about justice? It's very important to see this as we start to try to define justice. And you see this in the psalm. You can see what the psalmist says, but this is reflected in places like Isaiah and, and even in places like Luke chapter 18. First of all, justice focuses on the weak. The weak. Now by weak, this means those who are materially deprived. Those who don't have the sufficiency that they need. And so justice is about helping people have the sufficiency that they need. And what's that? If you have food, clothes, and shelter, Paul said, if we have food and clothes, we will be content with that. You can add shelter to that. Food, clothes, and shelter, that's a sufficiency. And if you have that sufficiency, then even though you might want more stuff, you don't necessarily need more stuff. So there's the weak, those that are materially deprived so they do not have the ability to contribute to the society or to improve their situation. And then you have another category, the fatherless and the widows. Now in the psalm, the psalmist only mentions the fatherless, but you can also add the widows. Remember, the Bible is writing to a society that doesn't have socialized medicine, doesn't have uh, pensions and things like that. And so the, the fatherless were, were the youngest people in society, children who did not have family to help care for them. Widows were women who had been bereaved without children. 
If you were a woman whose husband died and you had children, you would not be considered a widow in that way because your children were expected to care for you. That was the expectation. And so God has a passion for these people, the fatherless and the widows, who are the youngest and the oldest in a society, but do not, don't have people who care for them. And then there's the afflicted. Now the afflicted are people who are deprived because of the actions of other people. So when somebody takes away your job, you are afflicted. When another company comes in and all of a sudden takes over your business and lays off everybody and strips out the profits for themselves, you're afflicted. That's what it means to be afflicted. And so God has a passion about those who have been afflicted, who are, who are weak and have been taken advantage of by those that are stronger to them. Then there are the destitute. And the destitute are those who completely lack any of the things that they need for food, clothes, and shelter. They have no ability to get these things and they have no, no recourse to these things. Those are the destitute. The needy are those who just have a lack in one of those areas, food, clothes, or shelter. And then there are those who are under the hand of the wicked, that is, people who are suffering because of somebody else's unrighteousness. This might be people who have been abused by the legal system or, or people who, who you know, others have, have taken advantage of out of their greed, whatever it might be. Now, these are the things that stir God's heart. These are the areas that God is really, really passionate about. And when we start talking about justice and we start looking at justice and saying, how can we actively seek justice in our world? We need to focus in on these areas. You know, having enough money to buy the latest eye gadget is not a justice issue. Having the money to buy your latest meal is. And so we need to connect in with the heart of God because God is passionate about these things. So how do we seek justice then? How do we go after this justice? And we are all, as Christians, called to be involved in seeking justice. Not only in the context of the church, the body of Christ, but I believe even in the context of society because God doesn't compartmentalize these things. So how do we seek justice? Well, God tells us a lot here in Isaiah. We seek justice by first repenting and seeking holiness in our own lives. You cannot be an instrument of justice in the kingdom of God if you are wallowing in your own sinfulness. If you are failing to repent, and that's what it is. I mean, we all sin. And it's not about sinning or not sinning. It's about sinning and repenting as opposed to sinning and keeping on sinning. When you sin and repent, you turn away from it. And we, if we're going to be God's instruments for justice, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in our communities, whether it's in the church, or whether it's in our nation, we have to be walking in righteousness and holiness before the Lord, which means we need to be dealing with our sinfulness. If we're not dealing with our sinfulness, then we are contributing to the problem. We're not taking away from the problem. And so all justice actually begins with us, applying the reality of the cross to our lives. And then 
he tells us to cease to do evil. We need to turn away from any kind of wrongdoing. If we do something that the Lord does not approve of and he shows us that we're doing it, we need to stop doing it no matter what it is. We need to cease to do evil. And then we need to learn to do good. One of the biggest acts of justice that we do is the act of justice we do on Monday morning when you go to work and you do good to your coworkers. Every time we do good, we're contributing to justice. We're helping to build a just society. So we need to learn how to do good. We need to seek to do good every single day, everywhere we are, whatever we're doing in terms of our work, in terms of our play, whatever, we must do good. Learn to do good. And then the psalmist says, seek justice. You might say, promote justice in the kingdom way. We need to be conscious as we're thinking about justice issues, not to be drawn into the world's view of justice, but actually looking for justice from a biblical standpoint, from a biblical approach. To do justice in the kingdom way and make that our focus. And as we do that, then we correct oppression wherever we can. If you have the ability to do with something where somebody is oppressed, where somebody is suffering, and you can help bless them and alleviate that, then you do. You do what you can. You don't focus on what you can't, but you do what you can to help correct the oppression that's on. And then as you're doing all of this, you focus on these justice issues that we've talked about that are close to God's heart. This is really our quest, dealing with those issues in those ways. And the biggest thing in all of this is that we are willing and obedient to God. God will show us what to do. You know, none of us are going to eliminate hunger in the world. None of us are going to eliminate poverty, although poverty is going down in the world, even as hunger is going down in the world. None of us are going to uh, eliminate uh, wage inequality. None of us by ourselves are going to fix the problem with housing. But all of us, every single day, if we listen to the Lord and we do what the Lord calls us to do, can make a difference. All of us can make a contribution to a just society in the body of Christ and beyond. And if we all do the things that God has called us to do personally, then we make a difference in, the way, in a, a much bigger way than we ever thought possible. And so we need to be willing and obedient to the Lord. And I believe in all of this, we work with anybody who wants to achieve the same ends, but we also must be careful of the means because the means don't justify the ends. I was really encouraged by the opposition leader in Zimbabwe who went on television and said, listen, we don't want violence. We don't want to use violence Violence will not achieve what we desire. And these kinds of stances are things that we need to pray into and the things that we need to work for. So we must seek justice, but overall, we must be praying justice. Praying justice. That's the, that's the, the parable that Jesus was telling there in Luke chapter 8. It reminds us 
that justice is never only a human work. We will not bring about justice by our political engagement. We will not bring about justice by picketing. We will not bring about justice through marches. We will not bring about justice of any kind of human endeavor. We will not bring about justice on our own. It requires God, and it requires us to press into the Lord and to pray. And it's interesting how Jesus says that God in this quest for justice will respond to his elect. God will respond to his people. That's us. As we pray. But the requirement here is that we pray continually. That we pray day and night. And that we persevere in our prayers until we see justice come. And history is filled with examples of people who persevered in their prayers until they saw justice come. History is filled with examples of people who kept going and would not quit and would not back down until they saw the breakthrough or until it cost them their lives. People like Martin Luther King Jr. People like William Wilberforce. And you could go on. People like uh, oh, and it's, uh, Mueller, George Mueller. You can go on and list person after person after person after person throughout history who made it a commitment to pray and pray and keep on pushing and praying and, and seeking justice and seeking justice and keep on seeking justice until justice came bursting forth. And that's the call on our lives. To pray, to pray persistently, and to pray knowing that our prayers our demonstration of our faith that God will hear us and respond to us. And this is true not only when you're seeking justice in a big, on a grand level like in society, but also when we're seeking justice for ourselves. It's true when we're seeking justice with regard to the building next door. It's true when you're seeking justice with regard to how you've been mistreated at work. It's true for when you're seeking justice for your neighbor or your friend. It's true. We persevere. We trust the Lord. We keep praying. We keep seeking. And the Lord will answer. And the Lord will bring justice. He will make the wrong things right. And we must understand that when he does, it's never going to be perfect in this world. It will only be perfect when Jesus Christ comes again. That is the promise that when Jesus Christ returns, he will institute God's perfect justice. He will take all the wrong things from sickness and, and struggling and wage inequality and everything like that, all the wrong things, and he'll make them right. And he'll do that in the context of God's will and in a perfect community. And Jesus will demonstrate in his rulership what justice is all about. But until that day comes, we are to continually seek justice. We must seek justice and seek justice, understanding what it really is and understanding that it's God who brings it and understanding that prayer is a key component of it. We continue to seek justice because we know that it's God's desire. And we know that because of the cross. 
In the cross of Christ, God put all the wrong things right. In the cross of Christ, Jesus paid for all of our sin. In the cross of Christ, Jesus broke the power of hell. In the cross of Christ, Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers. In the cross of Christ, Jesus provided for our justice and showed a guarantee that one day justice will come because it's already come in Jesus. Father God, help us as we seek justice. Help us to understand what it is. Show us how to do it. Show us how to live it. Bring it, Lord. Lord, I pray that for each person here that's seeking justice in their own life concerning an injustice, maybe it's a housing injustice, maybe it's something to do with their work, maybe it's something in the context of relationships, I pray, Father God, that you would give them justice. Show them how to pray for it, how to seek it. Lord God, help us to continue to press in until we get justice regarding the building redevelopment. And Lord, help us as your people. Show us what we need to do, the contribution that we need to make to see London and the United Kingdom once again become a just society. Not just in the sinful ways of the world, but just in the ways of the kingdom. Let us see justice roll down again like a mighty river. We love you and we praise you. And Lord, we thank you that we can share the Lord's Supper today. I pray that you'd bless this bread and this cup, that they would be for us truly the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken and shed on the cross. And I thank you that through this bread and this cup, you have given us justice, the guarantee of justice and the promise that we will live in a truly just society. Lord, I pray that you'd surround us as we take this communion and use it to strengthen us and draw us ever closer to you. We love you and we praise you and we worship you and we thank you for all this. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. On the